to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, we'll jump down to verse 37. Amen. Again, so wonderful to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Zoe came back to see me. Amen. She thinks she this is her spot now. She's just trying to take over. Zoe, good to see you. <laughs> Kareem and Tiffany, good to see you. Jay, what's up, man? You good? He gave me a salute back. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Good to see everybody. Amen. John chapter 7, verse 37. Today is the celebration of Pentecost. And so I am going to preach about how we arrived at Pentecost and what Pentecost is all about today. I hope you can stay engaged with me. One of the vows that I made is that hopefully I will preach good enough that we won't produce ignorant Christians. It's a terrible thing when you come to church a lot and you don't know a lot. And so it is not God's will that we give to give ourselves to being in the house of God and not taking something away. And I promise it won't be my fault if you don't take anything away. <laughs> Brother Readout, who is the chairman of the Apostolic Leadership Institute, he says that the teacher's responsibility is to study and teach. But the listener's responsibilities is to understand and apply. So two, both people have a responsibility. Mine is to study real good and teach properly that it will edify you. But yours, you do have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to learn. Hold on to it and then apply it. That's your responsibility. And if you're coming to church and you can't, and you say the teacher, the preacher is teaching, then you got to ask yourself, am I learning? Y'all got quiet. Ooh, wee. It got quiet. It's all right. Quietness don't bother me. Amen. Matter of fact, I appreciate quietness sometimes. John chapter 7, verse 37. The word of the Lord says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, capital S, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 through 4. Verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them 
cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they all and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. There are some places you go in this world today, and I don't know, speaking with tongues get them a little uncomfortable. They don't read their Bibles. Because I'm not going to read my Bible and it says they spoke in tongues and then I'm comfortable not speaking in tongues. If anything, I'm going to be uncomfortable if I don't speak in tongues. Because the Bible said they spoke in tongues. I'm not going to try to do like some people and try to justify, well, maybe that was for then. You really want to go with that? You really want to go with that and says, well, that was 2,000 years ago. It's no more going on like that. You want to go with that. <laughs> you can go with that. I'm not going with that. I'm going, I want to speak with tongues like they spoke with tongues. But we'll get into that a little bit. Let's pray. Jesus, you are in this place. Uh-huh. I love you, Lord, and I adore you. I am so thankful that I can be among the number this morning. And God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you encounter every one of us and pour out of your spirit upon all flesh. And that all of us in this place today that desire you will receive you. I pray in the name of Jesus for miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, I pray that you will do Pentecost all over again among us this morning. I know, Lord God, that it was 120 in that upper room when you first poured out your spirit. But God, since then, you've been pouring out. And so this morning is no different. You're still pouring. Will those, oh God, that desire you today receive of you today? In the name of Jesus, I pray faith will operate in this place. And that, God, you will show up and show out. That you will demonstrate your mighty act and power like no. Nobody else can. Oh, Jesus, will you sweep through this place? Oh, Jesus, will you get a hold of our heart this morning? Oh, Jesus, will you do? Oh, God, what? Whatever it is that we need, will you perform that work among us this morning? And oh God, don't let this preacher stand in your way, but Lord, use me as your will, as your conduit, oracle, and apparatus. Lord, allow me to speak as the Spirit of God inspires and direct me, Lord God. Let every person, Lord Jesus, in this place walk out differently. Ah, here. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord as you're being seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for praying with me. Amen. I've entitled today's message, Are You Thirsty? Are you thirsty? Now, I'm going to mess with you just for a second before I get into the word of the Lord. Young people, y'all with me? So about 40 years ago, probably somewhere around there, growing up, I remember we used to say, I'm thirsty. I remember that. I'm going to tell you why I remember it. And I know as a kid what we meant like by that. But that was years ago, 40 years or more. That, that was a slogan about somebody being thirsty. For some of you adults that don't know, it's back. 
And so now the young people are saying, you thirsty. Young people, can I get an amen? Uh huh. So they're saying it now. You thirsty. Now you know what that thirst is that they're talking about. Because that was the same thirst that we talked about over 40 years ago or less or more. That's the same thirst. We said you was thirsty back then when, you know, nothing was going on in your life. Let's say that. And today they're saying you thirsty when you just don't have no partner. And you desperate for one. You thirsty. So this thirsty word is, is, is traveling these days. And we kind of have the idea of what thirsty means. Now it means that you're lacking and you're in need. I love this. And so we're going around saying who is thirsty and who's not. And by your actions, we know if you're thirsty or not. Because that's how people they would say, you thirsty. Your action says whether or not you're thirsty. And so today we're going to talk about, are you thirsty? <laughs> I love it. I thought about this when I started hearing it. You know where I started hearing it, um, Rayon? When I went to your award ceremony. I said, that word is back. Because they had a little skit. And the young people was talking about, he thirsty. I said, no, they didn't. Do they know what they just said? I said, I said this word is old. Do they know what thirsty means? Because I used to say that back in the day. As a matter of fact, we try to make thirsty look like a bad thing. Means that you corny almost. Almost like you, nothing is going on for you. Because nothing can go on for you. So you desperate. You thirsty. We're going to talk about being thirsty today. But first, let me talk to you about God's master plan. Somebody say God's master plan. This Bible is special, man, because it's the word of God. There's so many things. Let me say this to you. There is nothing else after this. You can't get any better than this. You can't improve on the Bible. You can't improve on God's word. If things are not working for you the way you feel like they should be working, you cannot improve upon the word of God. And so when things are not working, just be honest with yourself and say, God, what am I not doing? Because your word is the word of God. It is our authority and it cannot be improved upon. So if the word is not working in my life, it's me. It can't be you. Amen. Just be honest with yourself. I say it all the time. I ain't got no problem saying it. God, why is this working? What am I? This, this is one of my famous lines. What am I missing? I say it to myself all the time. What am I missing? There's something missing because something is not working. So what am I missing? I don't have a problem saying that. I'm not ashamed of the game. What am I missing? So God has this master plan that he's been weaving and weaving and weaving. If we live our life in a continual disobedience or rebellion towards God, we will find ourselves in a place of, of captivity. I'm going to make you feel good. Don't, don't think I'm going to make you feel bad. Bondage 
comes when we live our life in disobedient or rebellion to God. We find ourselves in bad places, bad situations. We, we find ourselves bound up in a situation where we can't get out because of our rebellion and disobedient towards God. Our struggles and our situations that we find ourselves into, that we're praying and asking God to help us to get out of it, it started with us deciding to disobey God or rebel against God. I mentioned this Thursday night in our Bible study, and I'm going to mention it here this morning. You have to follow before you can lead. That sounds simple, and that's a quick nodding of the head because it makes all the sense in the world. You have to follow before you can lead. When Jesus walked this earth, and even from the beginning of time, what he does is he leads us. And he's not leading us because he just wants to lead us. He's leading us because one day we will become the leaders of others. Who are you leading? Because we have to follow in order to lead. And sometimes we try to make ourselves leaders and never follow and you will never lead anybody. You're just taking a walk. And so the children of Israel did not want to follow God's word. And because they didn't want to follow God's word, they found themselves in bondage and enslaved by the Egyptians. I remember in Genesis where, where, where God told the, the, the first man and woman, he told them was to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Then he says, and have dominion. You know what that means? That word dominion means prevail against everything. It means rule over everything. It means to reign over everything. So God, when he first created us, wanted us to follow him so we can then become the lords of everything. But we went to the left and was more concerned about what we felt, our own desires, our own pleasures. And so that got the children of Israel eventually enslaved in Egypt. The Egyptians was ruling over them and they found themselves in a bad place. They found themselves even start worshiping idol gods. When they used to worship the one true and living and invisible God, they worshiped him. But once they got into slavery, they started doing the things that their captors were doing, which was worshiping idols. And so they were in slavery. What does this have to do with Pentecost? I'm coming to you. They were in slavery. And that's where we get the whole God needed to deliver them. This is what this has been about. That's all this has been about. This is why I'm saying God's word is final. It's simple and it's nothing more than this. You can't go beyond this. There's nothing that you can go and say, well, let me try this because God's word didn't work. You're kidding me. You can't go any further than this. Amen. You're stuck with this. This is the only answer. This is it. Nothing else. Amen. 
And so all what we've been trying to do all of our lives is trying to find a different way that suits us. That's all we've been doing. How can I do this God thing or live this life on earth that suits the way I desire? And that's all we've been searching for. That's all we've been desiring. And as we live our life for that, let's look back on the children of Israel and find out what happened. Can we learn and not be like some of the young people? I tell my kids all the time, why do you have to learn on your own what I already been through and I can tell you without you even trying it? We always done that. Even way back then, we're still today telling our children, listen, just talk to me about that so you can eliminate that, 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 that situation and wasting time. Just listen to what I'm saying so your life will be, it will be on a, on a fast track. You know, when you go to Great Adventures or you go to, 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 um, Disney World, you can go on the fast track. Well, young people, if you listen to your parents, you can go on fast track and not have to be slow. You slow yourself down all the time because somehow you think that you can come up with something and be able to get it done better than us. There's some things you might can do better than us, but understand this. There's some mistakes we made that you're going to make the same mistake if you don't listen to us. It's just that simple. And when you make the same mistake, you don't know how long. Would it be, you know, a year, two years, you know, five years? How long is it going to take you to get past it? We don't know that. Children of Israel is now in a bad situation, find themselves in slavery. They find themselves in a situation where they can't really serve their God the way they want. They can't worship their God like they want. And now they want to cry the blues because things are wrong when in actuality they started out rebelling against God. And so now they're entrapped. Now they're enslaved. And now they're in a situation where they can't control their own destiny and their own life. Somebody else is. Hey, listen to me. We can live in this world and no matter how how we live, we will always be controlled by something or somebody. So you choose what you want to be controlled by. Do you want to be controlled by your addictions? Do you want to be controlled by somebody else? Do you want to be controlled by Satan, Satan himself? Or do you want to be controlled by God? You see how simple it is? You're going to be controlled by something. You choose what that something is. You decide what will control your life because you can't escape that something or someone will control your life. It could be your desires. This is what I like. Then your desires are controlling you. Your desires are being Lord over your life. You choose. Children of Israel went into slavery because they wanted what they wanted and not what God wanted for them. And so, they're in bondage and they needed to be delivered. They couldn't deliver themselves. You can't deliver yourself out of where you are. Stop and think about that. If you're in a bad situation, you can't get yourself out because you're in it. You need somebody that's not in it to get you out of it. And until somebody that's not in it with you comes along, you will stay in it. You want proof? The Bible says that God looked for man to stand in the gap for all of humanity, to save humanity. A man that never sinned, a man that was always righteous. God looked for one of those and he says, 
Oh, Lord. Ain't nobody. This is why God had to become a man. Now you want to know why Jesus is God? Because when he looked for a man that will not be in the same situation as everybody else, he couldn't find none. Because we can only be saved by somebody that's not in our situation. You can't be saved by you. No matter how much you think you can do it. No, you can respond to the Savior, but you can't save yourself. The Savior makes the way for you, and you have to respond, but it's not you that's going to make the way for you. Because if you could have, you would have. And so you're there. So God had to deliver them. How did God deliver them? Exodus chapter 12, verse 3 says this. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth month, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a, a what? A lamb. According to the house of their father, a lamb for house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. For the lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goat. And ye shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly, not some of the assembly, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the side, two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs. That's how we get good dead soup. His head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remained of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in the ha- in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12 says this. This is the final verse. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I. Man, I can stop right there. Do you understand that we foolishly want to follow our own ways and got ourselves caught up in the mess. And this is all the stuff God says he's going to do and deliver us. This is what this all been about. We, we, we do all these things, disobeying God, rebelling against God, living how we want to live, and then we find ourselves caught up in bondage, messed up in situations, and God says, I'm going to get you out. 
It always takes two, though, because when God come to get you out, you can still say, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And that's what some people do. Nah, I'm good, God. I'll just keep on living this life of struggle. I just keep on living this life that controls me. I'm good, God. But here's where I'm going with this. The Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. And the only people that was, was, speared, was, was spared was the people that put the blood on the two doorposts. One to the right, one left, and one over top. So when the death angel passed through all of Egypt that night, everything that God said would die, died. And the people with the blood, he passed over them. And they never died. That's known as the Passover. The blood of the lamb was what God recognized to say, don't mess with those people. Man. God has a master plan. Tell your neighbor, God has a master plan. This great deliverance for the children of Israel is known as the Passover. Can I tell you this? There will be no deliverance if there's no death. There will be no deliverance if there is no death. The children of Israel got delivered because there was death. We today as the New Testament church we experience deliverance because there is death. We'll get into that a little bit more. Hmm. Listen to this. And so God passed over and eventually the children of Israel walked out of Egypt. Pharaoh let them walk out. But listen to this. Fifty days after that Passover, God delivered unto them the law that they need to start living by. Man, I'm I'm just bubbling. I'm taking my time, but I'm so excited about this stuff. I'm just so excited about it. So he led them. Remember now, this is way back in the day. I'm going to bring it to today. So I started way back in the day to lead you up to the day. So way back then, after God delivered them, 50 days after the Passover, he delivered unto them the laws that they need to live by. Can I tell you this, congregation, that every time God saved your life, he will give you guidelines on how to now live so you don't go back to... Every time God delivers you, every time God saves you, he gives you guidelines and laws to live by so you don't get caught up and go back to that lifestyle of sin and, and, and being in captivity. We can't despise the laws of God. They're given to us so we don't become captives again to our sin and our selfishness and all this stuff. We despise it, but it's a part of our deliverance. It's a part of our salvation. The word of God, the law of God is a part of our deliverance, a part of our salvation. And if we don't apply the word of God that God gives us, the law that God gives us after we have been saved, after we have been delivered, we will go right back into captivity. That's how we keep going back. Because we're rejecting the law that God has given us to live by. Why we got to do that? 
That ain't necessary. I can do this. Did you deliver yourself? Did you save yourself? Did you give your life for yourself? No, so you don't understand what it takes to save you. So guess what? Trust the one that saves you. Fifty days after the Passover, they received the law. Now let's fast forward. When that Passover took place, Remember I told you we like to always figure out a way to celebrate? They started using that date as a celebration date. So this is why I'm not in the Jewish homes. Brother Barry probably know what they do. So on Passover, they have great supper. They enjoy themselves. It's a celebration. But what they're doing is they're celebrating their deliverance. They're celebrating their salvation. They're celebrating the Passover that God spared their life and delivered them out of Egypt. That's what the celebration is all about. Yeah, they're eating and drinking and having a good time, but they're remembering what God did for them. And so, New Testament, they've been celebrating every time, same year, Passover, enjoying it, New Testament now. And so our... God, that's so powerful, omniscient, sovereign. He says, you know, I've always got a master plan. I love God. God's got a master plan. And you just got to kind of seek him and you will begin to understand the master plan. You won't know every part of the plan, but you will begin to understand it when you join in with him. I said this before that, listen to this. The servants will always know what the master is doing. That's a message right there. You want to know what God is doing? Be a servant of God. You want to know what's next? Just be a servant. When he was getting ready to destroy the earth, who knew? A servant. The one that was building the ark to get him out of there. He knew. Ain't nobody else know? What do you mean God's going to reign? Okay. Okay. You don't have to listen. Servants will know what the master is going to do. You want to know what God is doing? Then get involved in serving God and you will know because he has to tell you what he's doing if you're serving him. (laughs) If all we want to do is just enjoy coming to the place where we worship and all that good stuff, then we're going to always be playing the guessing game. And if you're like somebody I know, I won't call his name, you know who he is. If you're like somebody I know that's always inquisitive. Well, why this, why that, why this, why this? Then now what you're going to do is always asking why instead of knowing why. When you're a servant, you don't have to ask a whole lot of whys. Because I already know. I'm serving. He's telling me stuff. But if I'm not a servant, well, why, 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 why? I don't need to ask no why. I was telling somebody yesterday, you know how some things work good in God with the kind of personality you have and, and, and some other things work against your personality so you got to develop certain areas of your personality to really fit with what God is doing because, you know, our personality could be all over the place. So one of the things about my personality that works good for me with God, Tony, is this. I'm usually just like, if it don't concern me, I don't care about it. That's good and bad. 
But living for God, it helps me a lot. If it ain't concerning me, I really don't care and I don't want to know. That has been a blessing to me. I'm serious. This has been a blessing because here's the story. It, it, it doesn't allow my mind to go over here and to go over there and to be worried about this. And the good news is when I begin to preach to you, I'm preaching focused because I don't worry about all the other stuff because I can't handle those things. Let God worry about what God wants to do and let me worry about what God wants me to do. And I'm telling you, you will do well if you says, I don't want to know nothing about nothing. Just let me know about what God wants from me. It keeps you focused. It keeps you moving right. Because once you start hearing this, and, you... and then sometimes as a Christian, here's something good, as a Christian, you feel compelled to want to help. Now you find yourself all oh, helping. Your focus then changed because that's not what God wanted for you, but you're a good Christian person. You were trying to help, and now you're consumed by somebody else's stuff. And let me tell you this. Oh, man. Holy Ghost just messed with me. You get in trouble in your walk with God when you go mess with somebody else's stuff that God didn't send you to go mess with. That's the Holy Ghost. When you decide to go talk and mess with people and say stuff with them and all of a sudden you find yourself talking with them and that's not what... Because when God sends you to help somebody, he will cause you to forget about it. I cannot tell you how many times somebody come up to me and says, you remember when you prayed and you prophesied? I said, nope, don't remember. I don't know. Because when I went to them, I was on the mission for the Lord. So all I can focus on is going to do God's business. And so I couldn't think about what God said to me, said through me to them. I, I don't know. Because I was on God's assignment. But when I go and insert myself into their situation because I want to hear what they have to say or because they're going through something I went through or because I'm, I'm, I'm just, just, you know, we, we got the same issue. I want to go listen to them. It will mess me up. A lot of Christians got messed up that way. And it's not because you are a bad person too. And that's why it hurts so bad and frustrates you so bad. Because you're doing it out of your good Christian way. Trying to just be of encouragement. If God don't insert you in the situation, stay away from it. Not until he says and give you a word to go help that individual. Because when he gives you something to help people, you're going to do it effortlessly. And you won't even understand what you're doing. But as soon as you think, oh, I've been praying, I'm going, that thing going to backfire on you. And so now, New Testament, they were doing their celebration of Passover. Jesus says, perfect time, perfect time. And so guess what? The crucifixion happened on the day they celebrate Passover. Is, is the master good or what? So, remember when he told them how he would deliver them out of Egypt. Thousands of years later, he came back on the scene, but he says, now, back then I told you was to kill a lamb. Now I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice.
sacrificial lamb. I will be that lamb and I'm going to die for your sins on the day of Passover. So while you're eating your good meal, I'm going to die on that day so you can have eternal life. What a God. But what he is, is what's impressive about him that I've always looked at with the Lord. He does things according to the laws. He never break rules to do what he has to do. Always remember that about God. And that's why we can't do wrong to get right. God never did that. No matter how much you think you have to lie to make this right, it's never right if you're lying. No matter how much you think you have to do something on your own to make this right, it will never be right. You have to just do it right the whole way. That's how Jesus rolled. He never broke no laws or rules to establish his purpose. And so on the day they celebrated Passover, he gave his life as the sacrificial lamb. This time it's him now and no more uh, lamb or goat. And so he died on that day. For all mankind. So mankind wouldn't have to use a lamb or a goat anymore. Didn't have to sacrifice any animal anymore. He said, nope, no more of that. I'm the ultimate sacrifice. My blood will be the blood that will protect you from now on. Remember the blood on the post when the death angel passed through? That every house that had the blood over it didn't kill anybody? It's the same thing today. The devil is lurking to kill you. And every time he comes and he wants to, ah, oh, the blood, and he walk away. I'm going to get the blood. You're not understanding that when Jesus shed his blood, the devil now could not do anything to you. He had to go to God and say, can I? And God is telling him, the blood is already applied. And if the blood is applied, you can't get through. You can't take their life. They're protected. You can go to the gangs for protection. You can go to the mafia for protection. But the only real protection you got is the blood of Jesus Christ. When that blood is applied to your life, oh, everything that comes against you will be held back by God. The blood. And so Jesus gave his life for every one of us. And so now that blood is permanently applied to your life when... You accept his plan of salvation. Amen. Should I go down that road? Okay. You all know how the Israelites was able to be saved, right? They was led out of Egypt and then they got to the Red Sea. And they thought they were done because Pharaoh and his chariots and his soldiers were coming. They thought they were done. And then God parted the Red Sea. And then they walk across on the Red Sea. That crossing over was an example of baptism. It was water. They went through the water. They parted the water. God parted the water. They went through the water. Just think about when somebody go down in the water. What happens? Look at them. They go down and the water just opens up. That was baptism back then for them. So God kept his plan together by not changing, but just updating. 
So they walked through the Red Sea. That was their baptism. So if you want to get your life right and walk in salvation, now you got to go through the Red Sea again. But this time, it's the blood of Jesus that is the Red Sea. When you get baptized, it ain't just water. You may be looking at water today when Marilyn get baptized, but you better realize it's the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. And it's the blood that you're being dipped in. So when the death ain't and when the pit the destroyer comes after you, they can't touch you because the blood is already applied. This is why you got to get baptized. This is why you got to give your life to God. No baptism, no blood, no salvation. Oh, God. Ah, man. Y'all see how sharp God is? And so it brings me to this point, Brother Fox. Because we're talking about Pentecost. 50 days after Jesus Christ was crucified. 50 days! He poured out the Holy Ghost in the upper room. It went over your heads. Alright, let me give you a scripture that might mess with you. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in, the, in their inward part and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Alright, let me explain it. So... 50 days after the sacrificial lamb, the Passover, 50 days after that, God gave the children of Israel the law to live by. 50 days after Jesus Christ was crucified, the Holy Ghost was poured out. And the Holy Ghost represent the written laws of God on your heart. See, some of us may not be able to read. Some of us may not be able to understand what the scripture is saying. Some of us just, you know, we probably just don't get it. Our comprehension may be just a little bit off. Our education level might not be where we want it to. But God wants you to know that's all right. That's why I'm giving you my spirit. Because that now is not the written law on scrolls. That now is not the written law on Bible pages. That is the written law of God. Now you have me in your heart telling you what to do oh god y'all ain't seeing how bad God is y'all see how bad God is so here what we do when we do wrong we override the Holy Ghost if you have God's spirit in you and you do wrong like I've done wrong and when, when you're doing wrong and you know you shouldn't the Holy Ghost is beating you up until after when God realized you're not going to respond, he just said, all right, it's you that's going to go in bondage. It's you that's going to go in a bad spot. But you know I was riding you when you was doing wrong. You know I was trying to convict you when you were doing wrong, but you ignored me. And so now I just back off and you're going to find yourself in a bad spot. And when you find yourself in a bad spot, you're going to call on me again. And here I got to come again and deliver you again. But if you just want to listen the first time. 
The Holy Ghost is many things. But the first thing you want to remember about it is God's law being written in your heart. And you don't have to go and say, thou shalt what? No. As soon as you get ready to do wrong, you're starting to feel convicted. You shouldn't be doing that. And you're saying, where'd that come from? The law that's in your heart. This is what's important about this whole Pentecostal thing. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that was the beginning of the New Testament church. But understand what it was. It was the giving of the second law. The first law was given on Mount Sinai when they were delivered from Egypt. But the second law was given to us by the Holy Ghost. And so today, even if they take our Bibles, even if they take away the things that we read and study, the Holy Ghost is in you and the Holy Ghost will guide you and the Holy Ghost will speak to you. Oh God, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Somebody just praise God for the Holy Ghost. It's not just for you to talk in tongues. It's not just for you to say I have the Holy Ghost. But it's for you to know how to live your life for Christ. And so... You understand what Pentecost is all about. The Bible says, and on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so it's telling us that joyous Pentecost was, it means 50. It was a feast that they had. Remember I told you they want to celebrate everything. It was like a feast that they were having that day. God just know. Let me tell you, man, y'all got to know y'all God. God will always come on the scene for people to know he's on the scene. We, the, the thing about it is, we don't, we don't look forward to letting God come on the scene. We, we think God want to be incognito and coming on the scene. But God wants people to know who he is so they can be saved. And so what God did was, uh, on crucifixion, it was a celebration. He showed up. Remember, it talked about uh, when he entered Jerusalem and, and it says Hosanna and he was on that, 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 that donkey and he walked in, crowd was there. Hosanna, Hosanna. And he got crucified. And so now when the day of Pentecost came, it was a feast and everybody came and that's when he poured out his spirit the first time. So people can now have the indwelling of the spirit and not having just the influence of the spirit. Back in the day, Sister Angela, when you read about the prophets and you read about all those men of God and women of God, they were inspired and influenced by the Spirit of God. God couldn't, the time had not yet come for God to put his Spirit inside of us because there's a master plan. And so he does things in order. And so back then, the Spirit of God influenced people, moved on people, and so they prophesied and they did things like that. But today, God, when the day of Pentecost came, God says, now I am going to fill you with my Spirit. There's going to be an indwelling of my Spirit in you now. And so no longer have to, you have to worry about the Spirit of God moving on man. You have the Spirit of God with you at all times. Yes. And so the day of Pentecost came. Because God wanted us to have the written law in our heart and no longer do we have to go get the scrolls out. No longer did we have to go get uh, the, the, the things, the leather things that they wrote on. And 
you know, wherever they rode on. God says, no, 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 no. I want my law to be in your heart. Now, what's scary about that is what kind of excuse are we going to give God for when we don't do right? Because you can fake me out and tell me anything and fake out your brother and sister, tell him anything. But here's the story. If God's spirit is in you, whatever you was not supposed to do, God already pricked you in your heart not to do it. You just override him. You just decided, oh, I don't want to do that. Listen, we all have done that. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm not. This is not a condemnation church. This is a church of just just Christ being at the center, doing what he's doing. I'm not here to make you feel condemnation because condemnation means that you are condemned and you don't have no hope. So when you feel con- condemnation, whoever is trying to make you feel that way, they're not right with God because you can't make people feel condemnation. You're supposed to make people feel convicted to want to do what God want them to do. So you feel conviction this morning to say, oh my God we all felt that conviction. We all allowed the Holy Ghost to be of none effect in our life knowing we was walking towards or, or doing something or saying something we know wasn't right and the Holy Ghost was beating us up and while we're saying wrong the Holy Ghost said, no you ain't right. That ain't right and we still say it because we said, man I already said it. I might as well keep saying it. You know that's how we do. It already came out. I'm just going to say it. And the Holy Ghost, stop. You know you weren't supposed to do that. And then instead of just stopping on the spot and saying, all that stuff that I just said, I'm just an idiot. Sorry. I'm sorry. So sorry. Please forgive me because I'm a Christian. What in the world? I just lost it for a little bit right there. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me because God is in me, convicted me, and I just did wrong. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Will you please forgive me? That's what God wants us to do on the spot because it gives him glory. You never thought about that. You only thought about you looking bad. Yes. You won't say that because you, uh, I'm going to look bad if I say, no, God gets the glory when you do that. It don't have nothing to do you looking bad. Don't worry about looking bad. Just give God the glory. So the day of Pentecost came. He poured out his spirit. People was receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Now, here is the question that sometimes you you hear about. You will hear some people say, uh, do you have to speak with tongues when you have the Holy Ghost? Listen, I believe you can have the Holy Ghost and not allow the Spirit of God to work through you that you speak with tongues. However, don't, don't run with that. However, if I'm you... I'm not comfortable until I speak with tongues because that's what happened in the Bible when people received the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues. So me, I'm always calling on the Lord if I'm in a place where I, 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 I haven't spoken with tongues. I'm, I'm crying, I'm lifting my hands, I'm praising and worshiping God because I want to speak with tongues. So they received the Holy Ghost in the Bible and spoke with tongues. Well, I want to speak with tongues just like they did. Hallelujah. And so here I am. I'm getting ready to finish up now. I hope I was able to get you to understand what Pentecost is. Pentecost is 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And it's a celebration of the giving of the law in a different way. It's a celebration of the, uh, the, the, the beginning of the New Testament church. If you have questions, see me at the church. And so the main scriptures we talked about today, John, let's go back to John 7. And the scripture says in verse 37, when Jesus said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. The scripture had said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
He was not talking about natural water. He was talking about the Holy Ghost. You will see what I mean when I say the flow of the Holy Ghost. It is God's good pleasure to give us the Holy Ghost. Somebody said God wants to give me the Holy Ghost. Now here's the, 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 the trick behind it. You have two requirements to receive the Holy Ghost. Two requirements. Just two. Well, maybe I could throw in a third one. But that was obvious to me, but I'll make it clear. The first thing is, you have to believe if you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. You got to believe. The second thing is, you got to be thirsty. Amen. You want to know why sometimes things don't happen for us? We're not ready for it to happen. I remember when I got baptized in Jesus' name. I told you, some of you know this before. It took me probably about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine months to receive the Holy Ghost. Why did it take me so long? You want me to tell you why it took me so long? Mm-mm. Let me tell you why it took me so long. I made God wait. When I decided it was time to give my life to God, I started planning it out, Tony. Well, I still want to do a little bit more dirt, so I'll wait till this day. So I can't get baptized right now because I still want to do that. I can't get back. No, 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 because I still want to do that. And so what I did was I planned the day I was going to get baptized. And I also had a little inclination in my own mind when I should receive the Holy Ghost. Man. I'm just telling you so I can help somebody. Because I did it. Yep. I got baptized on a Saturday morning. Friday night. <laughs> Not good. Not good, Tony. Because I'm planning it all out. This is what I'm going to do on this day. This is what I'm going to do on this day. I'm telling you how God operates. And you can go ahead and plan what you want. God will say. But they said, you want to see God laugh? Show him your plans. Show God your plans if you want God to laugh at you. And that's what I did. And he laughed at me in my face. Oh, you think you're going to get the Holy Ghost? And I'm going to the altar. Ah, God, no Holy Ghost. People coming up, you know, one, they, you know, back in those days, it'd be like, you know, 20 men around you praying, God, oh, shaking you, rubbing you and everything for you to get the Holy Ghost. In the, no Holy Ghost. Because I thought I had the plan. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how it's going to work just right for me. And God had to show me a thing or two about a thing or two. So I learned early on, don't plan your God stuff. And I know that's with somebody in here because some people in here have been planning their God stuff. You can plan it all you want, but you're going to be frustrated because when you expect for the plan to come together, it will not. My plan didn't come together the way I wanted it to come together. And the other thing I was trying to avoid is I didn't want to start talking in tongues and start crying. So, so every time I went to the altar... I put my head down, put my hand over my head like this so nobody can see nothing. Because I don't want nobody to see me get the Holy Ghost. I'm cool. I tried my best. Then Kareem, 
finally got the Holy Ghost. I don't know how long. I think it was between seven and nine months it took me to get the Holy Ghost. Finally, I got the Holy Ghost. And I talked in tongues a little bit that night. I felt good. I'm like, all right, okay. This was not too bad. I didn't look too bad, you know, talking in tongues, receiving the Holy Ghost. And then, Kareem after that, man, every time I prayed, I started crying and talking in tongues and just like standing up in a corner, just praying and talking in tongues. And people could just see me. I was like a spectacle. I'm like, oh, God. I had to, every one of my plans, God messed it up. Because I wanted to receive the Holy Ghost cool because I was cool. So I wanted to get it cool. Man, God made me look foolish, according to my standard anyway. I'm crying all the time. One day, I, I called myself trying to give a testimony. I started crying in front of the whole church. I'm, I, couldn't, I couldn't even get my testimony up real good. I, I started crying. I got home, my crazy wife. I ain't never seen you cry before for nothing. God will mess up your plans, man. That's all I'm telling you. Just give God everything you've got because you can't control God's plan. God is in control of his own plan. So if you're thirsty and you believe God wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When we are thirsty for a drink of water, we know what to do. When we're hungry for food, we know what to do. But we got to ask ourselves, what should I do when I'm thirsty for spiritual food? I'm closing. John chapter 4 verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Question mark. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank? thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. When God gives you the Holy Ghost, you will not have to worry anymore. It will be like a wellspring. Uh, the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. The woman understood what Jesus was saying. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, you may not know uh, that you're thirsty spiritually, but I'm telling you, you want to be like this woman at the well uh, and begin to hear the word of God. Uh, and when you hear the word of God, uh, it will begin to show you that there are things in your life uh, that you have need of spiritually. And when you realize that you're thirsty just like you're going to get a drink of water when you're physically thirsty God wants you today to come to him and say God I am thirsty and I need you to fill me up and to quench this thirst I want this wellspring to spring up in my belly because I'm thirsty and I need the water that will quench Hallelujah. 
my first soul. Somebody, you got to realize uh, that the Holy Ghost uh, is, is a well spring. Uh, it, it, it's not dead water. It's not a water in a well. Uh, the Holy Ghost uh, is a spring. Uh, it just keeps on bubbling. Uh, it just keeps on stirring. Uh, it just keeps on going. Uh, and when you get this Holy Ghost in you, uh, you just got to let him loose. Uh, you just got to let him free. Uh, you just got to let him do uh, what he does. Uh, oh, God. Uh, Will you spring up in our heart that we will be satisfied? Will you spring up in us that we will be satisfied? Stand to your feet. The Holy Ghost is a well spring. If you're thirsty today, oh, can I tell you this? We don't understand. The Holy Ghost is the invisible God dwelling inside of you. God in you. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's God in you. And if you will allow God to come in you today, if God is not in you, will you give him that opportunity to fill your soul? The Holy Ghost is here and he wants to fill your soul. The Lord Jesus wants to fill your soul today. He wants you to receive his spirit today. It's a fountain that's a living water. Oh God, if somebody here today is feeling unblessed, if somebody is unhappy or doubting, if somebody is weak or weary, overtaken by sin, unloving, God is here today because he wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, there's some of us that we've been living for God and we have the Holy Ghost. And we don't realize that we have neglected the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh, oh hold on. Uh, uh, let the Holy Ghost speak. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, the Holy Ghost is trying to get me to get you to understand. Listen to this. If you continue to override the Holy Ghost, he will become dormant in your life. You will have God's spirit in you. You will have the power dwelling in you and it will be of none. He will be of none effect in your life if you continue to override him. Yeah, you can override him one time or two times or three times. Whatever the little bit of time is, you might override him and he still will come knocking and say don't you override me I want you to obey me but there comes a time Tony if we have the Holy Ghost inside of us and we continue to live in rebellion and we continue to live in disobedience the Holy Ghost will become of none effect in our life he will become dormant he will back off and says I can't do anything with you until you surrender I can't deliver you until you surrender I can't can't be a wellspring up in you uh, until you surrender. I can't save your soul uh, until you surrender. Having the Holy Ghost uh, is not enough. Uh, you have to allow Him to be that wellspring springing up. You have to allow Him to spring up. Uh, let me tell you this. Uh, we give our life to God. We repent of our sins. Uh, and we get baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, you become a new creature. And you receive new life. Not by baptism. Your new life is not by baptism. 
Baptism brings you into covenant and cover you for protection. But new life comes by the Holy Ghost. Baptism brings you into covenant. Baptism will cover you the blood so you are untouchable. But new life, everlasting life, comes by the Holy Ghost. Your life is going to be right when the Holy Ghost is the leader and the guider and the overtaker, overseer and the reigner and the controller of your life. When you allow the Holy Ghost to rule in your life, now you will walk in the what they call the Bible called the newness of life. You cannot walk in newness of life until you allow the Holy Ghost to possess you and do what he wants to do. Oh God, in the beginning, back then he wrote and told them what he wanted them to do. But that's not what he was gonna, where he was gonna stop. God's goal was to dwell in you. Because that's the most effective way to give guidance to you. That's the most effective way to, to, to reign in your life is to be in you, not on paper with words listed. And God's master plan is, I'm gonna give you the law in your heart. Oh, somebody, you need to go before the Lord today. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty at this moment? Are you thirsty for God? Somebody, are you thirsty today? For God wants to fill you with His Spirit. If you will go before the Lord today, and you will believe, and you will be thirsty, and say, God, I know I'm thirsty, and then you repent of your sins and say, God, I know I've sinned. I know I've done wrong. I know I've rebelled against you. I know I've been disobedient. But God, I pray and ask you in the name of Jesus today uh, will you forgive me for being disobedient uh, will you forgive me for rebelling against you uh, will you forgive me Lord God for living my life uh, according to how I desire it uh, will you forgive me for I know you have a great plan for me uh, I know you have great things in store for me uh, but I can't walk in it uh, I can't possess it uh, until I come in alignment uh, and obedient to you uh, now God today uh, I ask for your forgiveness and I will come in alignment with you today and I will stand before you and worship you because I desire your Holy Spirit to dwell in my heart I desire your Holy Spirit somebody if you desire the Holy Ghost today all you have to do is put your hands up throw your hands up in the air and begin to give God praise and thanksgiving if you will lift your hands and you will believe today and you will ask God to forgive you and you will begin to just say Lord I thank you oh Lord I praise you oh God I give you the honor the highest praise you can give to the Lord today is hallelujah if you will throw your hands up in the air today and just begin to say Hallelujah. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I adore you. Lord, you are my king. Lord, you are my everything. And I love you. I thank you. I adore you. There is none like you. I will praise you with my whole heart. I will bless your name. I will honor you. For you are my God. Will somebody praise the Lord today? Will you allow that 
spring uh, to spring up once more. Uh, somebody, your spring uh, was now, it was not working. Uh, you shut off the spring water that was inside of you. Uh, you stopped the spring uh, from springing up. That fountain, uh, it was not springing up uh, because you shut it off. Uh, but God says, if you will let me, uh, I will begin to spring forth in your life again. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to spring forth in your life again. He wants that wellspring to come up. He wants that wellspring to flow again. Will you allow God to flow in your life again? Will you allow God to flow? Will you allow Him to flow in the name of Jesus? Will you allow God to flow? Because He wants to flow. He wants to flow. He wants to flow. Oh, God, will you flow in me? Will you flow in us? Let God flow. Will somebody give him praise? Will somebody tell him to flow? Tell God to flow. Oh, I want the wellspring to spring up in me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, give him praise. Come on, lift up his name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of Jesus is worthy to be praised. There is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only by the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be your name, blessed be your name. God, I pray that there will be an outpouring, that there will be an outpouring and that the Spirit of God, oh, God will flood his soul. God, keep him God protect him and God reign over him in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus listen to the voice of God God is speaking to you don't override the spirit of God but begin to listen and obey God says open your mouth and speak what I put into your heart I want you to speak Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And if you will speak life, you will receive life. If you will speak life, somebody else will receive life. But you got to speak it out. You got to speak God's word. You got to live out God's word in the name. Receive the Holy Ghost. Let the wellspring be deposited in your heart that He may spring up, that He may give life, that He may give strength. Oh God, help her to touch in a special way. Touch in a special way. Let the power of the Holy Ghost reign. Let the power of the Holy Ghost reign. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will experience the supernatural power of God in the name of Jesus. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus. 
God wants you to drink. God wants you to drink. Oh, my child, will you drink? Oh, will you drink of this water that you will never thirst again? That you will be complete. That you will be fulfilled. And that you will know what my will is for your life. And my will is for your family. Will you drink? Will you drink? Will you drink? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I will. Oh, my God. 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 Oh, my God